We're a divided people, aren't we? Uh, we're divided by red and blue. We're divided by denomination. We're divided. I mean, it's about any way that you can uh, stack it up. It seems like we can find ways to uh, dislike other people and to separate ourselves from them. And uh, none of us like that. There's a brokenness in relationship that's part of this world, and, and uh, it causes a lot of pain. But, you know, that's part of the nature of this world, isn't it? And that we're in a fallen world, a broken world, and so broken world, broken world breaks things, including relationships. Broken people break things, including relationships. And a lot of that brokenness, a lot of that division, if we think about it, it comes from selfish identity, doesn't it? Think about the people that we oftentimes hate is that we, we create an identity about people like me, and then anybody who's different than that, those are the enemy, right? So, you know, uh, you are either a Broncos fan or you are not, right? You have your political party or you're not part of the party. We have these selfish divisions, people that, might, that look like me, think like me, that see the world as me, and it's all about, really, if we come down to that, me. And when someone's not like me, then they can be the other, they can be the enemy. We can begin to then, we give ourselves license to hate them. And that really is, for a lot of things, that's where the, uh, a, lot of, a lot of division in life comes from. Not everything, but a whole lot of it. But Jesus came, not because he was, exactly like us. He is holy. He is perfect. One that we call peace. Peace for people that are completely divided. And it's important. One, I think it's a gift that we need in our world now, probably as much as ever. Think about division. It's a Grinch, isn't it? Now, the people in your life, think about those that you're divided from. It's hard to, to care for them. It's hard to love them, isn't it? It's hard to act civilly towards them, isn't it? To sit there, and I think a lot of times at this time of year, we have family and, and those who come from all over who come together, and, and there will be some who are different than we are, who think differently than we do. And I think what happens in the midst of that, there's a lot of tension. There can be a lot of discord. And I think that's, that's where this gift, the power of this gift, really comes in. Where division causes animosity and hatred, Jesus came to bring us peace. In fact, did you hear that part of today's reading? In Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus showed up, God told the prophet, this is going to be part of what Jesus does. Right? He's, going to, he's going to take all of even the weapons of warfare and is going to move them into tools for peace. That's pretty powerful. And then even talks about his very identity. One of those is being the Prince of Peace. So before we get into really talking and, and really kind of working through that, let's just take a moment and look and then memorize that passage. Because this is who Jesus is. You see, in Isaiah 9, 6, 700 years before Jesus even came, it says, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All right. Now, this is a, a passage that I think you hear every single Christmas. So I hope that for many of you, this is pretty familiar. But even if it's for the first time that you're hearing it, think about what you just said. A child is born. God became one of us. The implication of that is just phenomenal. A son is given. One of family. 
And the government's going to be on his shoulders. I think this is one election that we can all agree on. And look at the nature of it. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. He knows the right thing to do. And his ways and his wisdom lead to great things. But he's not just a counselor. He's a mighty God. God with us, able and powerful. Everlasting Father, that provider, protector, and that lover of our souls that will never, ever abandon us. And the Prince of Peace, which we'll talk about today, the very nature of his rule. So let's say it one last time, and then we'll test ourselves. And then we get into the message. Here we go. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. All right, last time you test ourselves. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. Yeah, we need a Prince of Peace, don't we? Yes, we do. Let's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If uh, you have one of our Bibles, that's going to be on page 805. If you forgot your Bible today, you need one, don't worry about it. We're a church. We got lots of Bibles. So they're in the back right by the sound booth. And if you need a Bible, please keep it, our gift to you. Now, 2 Corinthians, for those of you who know much about the book of Corinthians or the church at Corinth, it was a church that wasn't necessarily known for its unity, okay? They had some issues. And this was a letter that God inspired through, through the uh, disciple, through his, um, we have Paul writing the apostle to this church, a church divided. And as we read this section of Scripture today, starting in chapter 5, I want you to notice how division is countered with peace. This is God's way, and how division is countered with peace. And so as we read that, we're going to go through the passage. We're going to read uh, chapter 5, verse 16, all the way through chapter 6, verse 2. And so if you want to read along, you can. It says this, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God himself were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. I give you goosebumps. 
Now, in this passage, I want, to, I want you to see there are three truths. How do we overcome division with peace? Very practical things that God has given us. And the first one is this, is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6, this was the prophecy. This is part of his very nature. This is, this is what he does. Where Jesus is, this is what reigns. If somebody is a God of war, guess what's going to be wherever they are, wherever's in their jurisdiction? War. The nature of Christ's rule is a nature of peace and a, a destruction of division. That's one of the very things that he came to do. For to us, a child was born. God didn't even just show up all glowy and godlike. He put on flesh. He came like us to undo the greatest division that has ever been in the history of eternity. God became one of us. A son was given. Let that sink in for a minute because I think a lot of people, a lot of our divisions in life start with this. We first are divided from God and we deal with all kinds of things like guilt and shame and brokenness. How many people in this world feel so separated from God? And that pressure, that separation moves us, doesn't it? I mean, some people move to just lawless living. They're like, I know that God doesn't love me. Uh, look at my life. It's so bad. There's no hope for me. So I'm just going to eat, drink, be merry. <laughs> Might as well live the wild life as much as I can to feel the separation from God. Other people move into legalism. I hope that on the scales of eternity that my good deeds will outdo my bad deeds. I hope that somehow, even though I have wronged God and I know that I'm a sinner, that somehow God will look at me and say, well, you're better, more good than bad. And move into a point of saying, well, I'm going to try to just live the law. Do what God wants me to do the best that I can. And yet, even in that, knowing that there's still division. Crazy thing about my wife and I were in a very legalistic uh, sect of Christianity when we first got married. The more you go into it, the more you recognize the thing about law. It's like a flashlight. It just shows you how depraved you really are. Either case we recognize that we are divided. In either case, we find that whether or not you, you, you err on the side of just going into just living the crazy your lifestyle however you want to, going in for pleasure, or you go all the way into becoming very, very legalistic, either case, don't you find that either one of those poles divides you not just from God but from other people? Lifestyles are destructive. God said there's a better way to live. And we think about a lifestyle that's all about hedonism, all about doing things for me and for my pleasure. Well, guess when you live a, sin, a selfish life like that, guess what you do? You destroy relationships. And it's the same thing with legalism. When we were trying to be so holy, we started looking down our nose at other people and started to say, well, those people aren't real believers of Christ. Or look at that person. They don't deserve God's grace and then I started looking at myself and saying, I really don't deserve God's grace either. It started this great level of bitterness and division. But that is not the kingdom of our Lord. Neither of those two planes, neither of those two spaces bear the nature of God's rule. See, where Christ is, he is not the prince of division. He is the prince of peace. 
That's why Jesus came. He, he came to bring first this amazing peace between us and him, right? And where, where Jesus is, we should recognize where his rule is that we should find a greater level of peace between us and God and us and others. This is the very nature of his kingdom. And it's the nature of who he is. To honor Christ, especially at this time of year, we recognize that when Jesus came, it wasn't just out of some flowery type thing. He wanted us to feel good or so we could have a nice manger scene. He came to declare a peace. This is who he is. If we are disciples of Jesus that make disciples of Jesus, if that's really who we are, then the evidence of our life and the culture of this very space needs to be a place that fosters peace. This is just how the kingdom works. Understanding that. The second truth I think we have in there is that this is that then Jesus declares peace between us and God. Declares it. You know, this last week was um, uh, Pearl Harbor Day. And so on Pearl Harbor Day, my dad always puts on Torah, 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 because it's the right thing to do. It's what good people ought to do. Watch Torah, Torah, Torah. And... uh, it's interesting, we watch these movies that remind us that in history that uh, nations oftentimes, they declare war, right? The, things were the way that they were, and there was this tenuous peace that was there, and then the Japanese declared war, and war then followed, right? A stance of saying, we are now aggressive, and now we're going to act aggressive, But our God has declared something different. We were already in a state of tenuous war, haven't we been, between us and God? Isn't this the nature of the path that drives us up to to either uh, this whole crazy, just uh, selfish, indulgent living or legalism? Isn't it both caused by that tension, that strangeness saying, I know that I'm just not right between me and God? Look at verse 18. It said, all this, the old is gone, new has come, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Think about that. God had every right to declare war on humanity because humanity declared war on God. We hijacked this world in our souls from him. He said, don't do it. We did it. I'm like, what are you going to do? We deserve death. We deserve separation. And yet, Jesus came, uh, for to us a child was born. To us a son was given. God came down. He did not come as a conquering, just this, this king like we thought we were expecting at first. He came first as a sacrificial lamb. He came first not to brush our sins under the rug or to say the rebellion didn't matter. Oh, it matters. He came to pay the penalty for the rebellion. For those who live in selfish lifestyles and for those who have leaned too heavily on the law, they came both and he said, you know what? I'm paying the price for your sin. I'm not going to count it against you. I will declare peace between me and you. And then the peace follows. God has done something for us that we never could have done. He said, I'm ending this fight. 
That's who Jesus is. This is the freedom that keeps us out of the ditch of grace abuse and legalism. This is the freedom that says that God loves you. He didn't send his fist of wrath. He sent his son with a message of peace. And he declares it to you today. If you right now are living in a space of of feeling alienated from God, to recognize it's not about what you've done or even who you are, has everything to do with who he is and what he has done. We have to end the selfish division. It's got to stop being about you. Peace begins with God. Peace began with Christ. What an amazing thing. What a gift. And so for you today, Jesus invites you to be real with him. You have brokenness and you're not perfect. That's the point of communion, isn't it? To look into your heart and not try to cover up the brokenness that you have, but to say to God, it's brokenness. I admit it. I confess it. Take it. Change me. He won't reject you. God will accept any and all who come to him in faith. That's what he told us. Those who come to us through Christ. He loves you that much. Begin this season by celebrating the very first thing that Christ wants you to get out of the nativity, the advent. God declares terms of peace with you. You can be saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Those are the best peace terms in the history of eternity. And I have to, my own self, every single week, remind and, and re-accept them. That's part of communion, saying, God, you love me. Being with peace between us and God. That is where we begin to experience at first the Prince of Peace in our life. The third truth that we find in this, though, is this, is that Jesus commands peace between us and others, right? It's not just that God came so that we could have peace with him. Oftentimes, one of the worst things that we do is we take the brokenness and the sin inside of us, we become very, very selfish, and we make other people the enemy, and then we treat them like enemies, and we hate them, and we fight them, and we destroy them, because that's what we do with enemies. But Jesus told us an incredible story about this. He says, there was this man who owed this king a great sum of money, more than he could ever pay back. And the king was doing his books. And his book back, he owes you a ton of money. And so the king brought this man before him. He brought this debtor before him. And he said to him, you know what? You need to pay me back everything that you owe. And the man said, I cannot do it. And so the king said, that's fine. I will now lock you up and you become my slave and everything that is part of your household, everything that you own, I now own. So your wife and your children will be mine as slaves and everything that you have is now mine. 
and you will remain my slave until you can pay back this debt. And the man, this debtor, was overcome with grief and and fear. His life was now gone. He could not save himself. And so he throws himself on the mercy of the king. And he says, please, I I, I cannot pay it back, but have mercy. I will do anything I can. And the king knows that even if the guy goes and works the rest of his life, he's not going to get his money back. But the king was moved in his heart. He saw this man and he had compassion for him. And he says, you know what? Okay. Debt's forgiven. Nothing between us. Go now in peace. And, the, and this debtor, this, this guy who, who owed so much money, who now has his whole life back, walks out of the king's presence. He walks out of the courtroom and he sees one of his friends that borrowed 20 bucks for lunch a couple of weeks ago. And he sees his buddy and he's thinking, this is my day. I get all of this. My debt's forgiven. And now I see this guy who owes me money. This is my day. And he goes to his friend and says, hey, you have that 20 bucks? And his friend says, I don't have 20 bucks. I'm sorry. I've been really rough. And he says, I don't want your excuses. And he calls the police over and says, this guy, he took money from me and he can't pay it back. Can you believe this? The nerve. Lock him up till he can... Give me all of my money. And then the king hears about this, of course. And he's like, wait a second. And he calls in (laughs) this man. And he says, wait a second. Didn't I just forgive you an enormous debt? And the guy says, yeah. And he said, but then why is it that you couldn't forgive your friend? 20 bucks. It's because I can see that your heart doesn't get it. You don't get my grace. And so then he ordered that man to be locked up (laughs) and to be put into jail until his debt could be forgiven, could be paid off. That's a scary uh, parable, isn't it? For those of us who are in Christ, that's sober. Let me just walk through. We are the debtor. God is the king. We owe him this debt. We have all sinned, all of us. We, we cannot become so good we pay that off. That's not how it works. These are crimes more than their debts. And so think about this. You're a pretty good person, I would assume. Right? You're here, which is nice. And then, let's just say, on the way out, leaving here, you see somebody you don't like. You, uh, you shoot the person in cold blood. And then you go on the rest of your day and the rest of your life. And then you just, you know, you're a good law-abiding person. You don't even break the speed limit. Well, all of the times that you've obeyed the law, will that overcome the one time that you've broken the law? No. That's why being super moral doesn't pay for our debts. We have a crime against God. All of us owe a debt. There's a justice coming that we deserve hell. We deserve judgment. And God said, I'm going to take that. And if we want to receive this, then he says, now you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility not just to receive my peace terms, but now you are my agent to offer peace terms to others. Look what it says there, verse 19 and 20. After it said that God's not counting our sins against us, it says all this from God, right? It says that God was not, uh, that God 
That's the first thing. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is our work. Jesus, when he was here on earth, he said, listen, people of this world, they're really nice to their friends. They love their friends and they hate their enemies. He said, but it's not going to be that way with you. He says, I want anybody can love their friends and hate their enemies. You love your enemies because that's what Christ did for us. While we were still his enemies, he sent Christ for us. We are now his ambassadors. We declare peace in this world. It is not fit for Christians to stand on the sidelines and look at the world and say, you are coming against us. You are the enemy, and we go to war against the people of this world. We declare peace. Anybody can declare war. We can declare peace. We have been forgiven. And this is not just in like some big theological thing. This is practical today. Some of you are married. Some of you have kids. Sometimes the enemy lives really close. Because you have been forgiven. And God has given you the superpower of forgiveness. You can say to the person that sits across the table, Hey, I forgive you. I declare peace. I'm not holding your sin against you. I love you. God loves you. You can bring this to the office. Did you know that? Some of you have coworkers that drive you crazy, and they don't deserve your grace, thus grace. And you can say to them, I forgive you. You can treat them with kindness when they treat you with contempt. You have the power in Christ to do that. We have the responsibility in Christ to do that. And if we can do that with those who are so close, Think about those who seem so far away. Can we love the groups of people in this world? We don't have to agree with them. That's the whole point. Can we love them? Can we love people who hate us? Can we love the people who declare war on us? Who say, we want you to die. And we can say, I already have in Christ. Thank you very much. My sin's forgiven. Heaven is mine. I'm only transient on this earth anyway, but I love you. I will not retaliate, but we will find ways to serve and to love. Anybody can love a friend, but you, if you've received the gift of God's grace, can love anybody. Think about that. This is the command of Christ. This is our great work in Christ. This is what we get to do this season as agents of peace. And here's a crazy thing in life. This world divides us. Jesus brings us together, right? That, that, that when you start becoming an agent of peace as Christians in a culture, as we begin to declare peace between us and, and our neighbors, between us and our family members, between us and, and our community, there gets to be this great, amazing blessing that everybody begins to enjoy. It is the blessing of peace. I want you to recognize that you have power. That God has given you a gift and he says, share it. Go and and love others in the way that he's loved you. Not counting sins against you. Instead saying, you know what? I'm going to pay for it, the crime. 
So that way we can be reconciled. This is the gift, I tell you, that we don't have the capacity as God's children, as his ambassadors, to say, you may be his enemy now, you are not my enemy. I will declare peace between me and you. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. This is whom we follow. If he could declare peace between sinful people and a holy, righteous God, don't you think we can declare peace also between us who are sinful people and other sinful people? Of course we can. Jesus declares that peace between us and God. That's where peace begins. If you don't have that peace, if you've never been forgiven, it's really hard to offer forgiveness, isn't it? In fact, it's impossible to give what you haven't received, which is why it must start with peace with God. If you're here this morning and you have never come to peace terms with Jesus, accepted his peace terms with you, to have accepted God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would invite you today, this is your opportunity to do that. And if you have questions, it means that we have to express that faith. We believe, we repent, we confess, we're baptized, we're discipled. This is what a church does. If that's you today, I, I'm going to pray, and we're gonna, I'm going to go to the back, uh, and I want you to come and let me know. I also want you to put on your connection card. I want more information about choosing Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I will help you accept those peace terms between you and God. Your life will change, not just for today or tomorrow, but for eternity. It's amazing. But I also want you to see, look at this past thing, that that, that offer for peace, it's a limited time offer. Look what it says in in chapter 6, verse 2. It says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. God is declaring an amazing peace. Accept that. Accept it today while the offer still stands. It's an amazing thing. But then if you've accepted peace, that terms between you and God, then we have an obligation, an opportunity, and a great privilege to be God's agents, his ambassadors of peace in our world today. And that's where we send you out to. So how do you apply that today? Well, on you take a look at your connection card. I've got some next steps, ways that we can wage peace in this community. And I'll tell you, our world needs peace waged into it in a huge way. Maybe what you begin with is you memorize Isaiah 9-6. I think it's important for us to remember that First, God declared peace with us. For to us a child was born. To us a son is given. That's for you and for me. Government's on his shoulders, right? He's got the responsibility. His name's called Wonderful Counselor. He's got the wisdom. Father, and he's a prince of peace. Make sure that if you have somebody in your life that you're having a hard time forgiving, that there's bitterness that has welled up in there, memorize this passage. And when you go before you talk to them or when they drive you nuts, you remember this. Be God declared peace between him and you first. This is who he is. Memorize this passage. Maybe that's where you begin. Or maybe what you want to do is read 2 Corinthians. Why? Here's a church that's in the midst of all kinds of division. Why churches are made up of sinful people. All churches. There's no such thing as a perfect church. It doesn't exist because churches have imperfect people that run them, that worship in them, and you're imperfect too. So you want to see what imperfect people can be and you see how, how God's counsel, how he brings peace to imperfect people? Read 2 Corinthians. Begin to apply what you read. How about this? Maybe this is what you do is you pray for your enemies. Hardest prayer you'll ever pray. We begin there. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Well, if we could pray for those who persecute us, can we also pray for those that annoy us? 
Pray for those that are out to get you. Find someone. I would say you can even write it on, on your notes here. If there is a name of somebody that just drives you nuts, every time you, you hear their name, you're like, oh, rage. Pray for that person. God will set you free from that. That's amazing. Or maybe what you get to do is declare peace through grace. And not just this week, but I would say this season. Why don't you start practicing that? When the conflict comes and you want to go to war, you want to put on the battle armor, you say, no, in grace. You don't deserve it. That's why it's grace. But because I have been forgiven, and you just do this in your mind, because I have been forgiven, now you get to do this part of this out loud. I forgive you. I love you. And I'm choosing not to retaliate. Declare peace in practical, real ways this season. Maybe there's something else that you need to do. Write it down. That's an opportunity on your connection card to do that. And uh, here in a minute, worship band's going to come up. They're going to lead us in a final song. As they, At the end of that, we're going to take our offering. I encourage you to take these connection cards. Drop that in the offering basket along with your tithes. If you have a tithe or you came ready to, to do that, you could use this envelope here for that. And uh, let's see what the Prince of Peace does as he reigns greater in our lives this week. Let's pray for our offering of our commitments. Heavenly Father, we love you because you first loved us. And I think that's a powerful because, because you first loved us. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room today that has not accepted your peace terms, that they would do so today. Thank you for providing a time and an opportunity to end the war between us and you. Thank you that though that you've come, you came to our world, to us a child was born, and to us a son was given. And Lord, you declared that mighty, powerful peace, not by sweeping our sins under the rug, but by paying for them in full. They'll never, ever come back to haunt us again. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that has not accepted that peace term, that you would help them come to you today that they would leave this morning knowing their soul and their life now is right with you and they could receive the incredible gifts that you have blessed us with in Christ Jesus. Father, for the rest of us, as we make commitments to follow you this week, help us to be your agents of peace. It is hard to love our enemies, Lord. It's easy to talk about and really, really hard to do. So Father, as the opportunities come this week, I pray that you would make us mindful of them. Show us how to love our enemies the way that you have loved us. Give us a heart of grace for those who live in that brokenness. Give us the courage not to fight back with war, but instead to fight back with peace in such a way that brings you glory and honor. May your kingdom rule in our hearts, our lives, this church, and this community. Though we also pray for our tithes, our offerings. We gladly bring them to you, Father, out of grateful hearts, knowing your promise is true, that you are a good king. You're an amazing prince, and you care for us, all of our needs. So help us to seek your kingdom and righteousness above all else. Please use these gifts, these tithes, to further your kingdom for your glory. We ask in Christ's name, amen.